So DLF has asked the DLF podcast to do a live read. I don't I don't do this. <laughs> I don't sell advertising space. I don't try and sell anything. But DLF is my home. It is my family. So I'm going to do them a solid here. Instead of putting the uh, other podcasts from DLF ad up at the top of uh, Dynasty Crossroads, uh, I'm just going to do this here live read. Um, again, not getting paid to do it. I just think DLF's awesome. they got an awesome thing going on. And they asked, and I agree with it, so why not? Uh, let me see here. i got to pull it up. You can tell I'm real professional about this. All right, uh, so DLF would like you to know that if you are... God, can't do this properly, can I? Tired of the same old Dynasty format? Think you have what it takes to be a real champion? DLF has partnered with Safe Leagues and Commish Extraordinaire Scott Fish... Hey, Scott. ...to create a brand new DLF Champions Cup Series. That's DLF Champions Cup Series, just in case I stumbled that. In the DLF Champions Cup Series, you're matched up in a Superflex tight end premium with points and payouts awarded each year. Nice. The bonus is that every third year, you, your cumulative points go up against a larger field to see who wins the Champions Cup. That's a neat idea. Claim a team today and begin your journey to hoist the Champions Cup and claim $1,000. Wow, cool. Uh, that's the grand prize. Come prove it, I guess, is what they're saying. It seems like a pretty cool competition. Uh, DLF's running it along with Scott Fish. Actually seems like a lot of fun. So if you're interested in that, please hit up DLF, Scott Fish, or the DLF Champions Cup Series. Uh, you can find it on DynastyLeagueFootball.com backslash Safe Leagues. Thanks very much. Let's, let's do a podcast now or something, right? Are you unlucky or are you just bad? On the opposite side, are you really lucky or are you actually really good? One of the interesting things about regression lists or regression candidates is players on both ends of the extreme, those who overproduce and those who underproduce, are both potentially really interesting in fantasy. AJ Brown last year was exceedingly efficient. Regression incoming, right? Patrick Mahomes was exceedingly efficient. Regression was incoming. He got 50 touchdowns. <laughs> Regression came, it didn't matter, because Patrick Mahomes is good. I think if you kept both things in mind, you were fine with how to play Patrick Mahomes. AJ Brown's same thing. I think he's tagged by his offense, obviously. It's not going to increase in volume drastically. Ryan Tannehill is not going to bloom up into the quarterback someone always hoped he could be. But AJ Brown's good. That's good. It's easy to get him into the top 12 in projections, for example. I'm finishing up my projections here. The last few rounds of projections are going on right now. One of the reasons I'm so busy and this podcast is coming out late. One of the things I've been converting to is using touchdowns per yards. It's a stat I've heard a lot about from JJ Zacharyson on the late round pod and also living the stream. I don't want to go over a stat that he's gone off better than I ever could every year for the last three. Um, but it's incredibly useful for projections gets better results stickier and it's a lot better than like touchdown per reception percentage or you know uh, i was normally stuck with so i actually started using the sticky one and it's it's just so much better guys if you're interested in projections use touchdown a yard it's just true 
anything to do with efficiency that's sticky is uh, way too valuable to not use, by the way. Anyway, I don't want to go for a, you know, a stat JJ does much better than I do or ever could every year. But the question, are you unlucky or are you just bad, is honestly something I think we do automatically. And we're good on consensus. It's something Tanho from DLF Football was showing a year, two years ago. If you take consensus ranks from something like Fantasy Pros, who are free, and just produce the average fantasy points for those position ranks over the last you know three years, your projections actually came out per game and overall remarkably well injuries sustained don't have to live the grind to create a projection model like me and some others to to get pretty decent projections because our consensus is actually pretty good we're getting smarter and better every year it's one of the reasons i'm starting to feel am i timid now or is consensus just getting smarter like my last episode talking about t higgins versus mims not t higgins versus brian edwards felt timid like past me's mad at myself but I honestly think ADP it's hard to find edge in this year's ADP for example we're getting better at this it's why we're seeing random efficiency spikes when top 12 running backs 90% of them came from top 12 ranks in 2018 we got them remarkably correct we can't continue that efficiency to talk about regression but it's part of it is because we're getting better and better at playing the game as more people play more people get into dynasty also, yeah, maybe I'm getting a little more timid, or I felt a little more timid that week, maybe. Time to stop that. So let's talk about regression a little bit. Most unlucky player or bad player in touchdowns per yard since 2014, which is what I got in this little data set here, was Julio Jones in 2017, to the surprise of no one. He got six touchdowns less than you'd expect with 1,444 receiving yards. Now, if you want a, just a quick calculation for yourself instead of, you know, going to the red zone database I've got and times in the efficiency by the eye just to find the total and then doing the minus whatever i've converted it here into missing touchdowns so i can just tell you how many touchdowns they were technically missing based on the yardage because i think that's easier to understand than reading percentages at you on a podcast fairly simple but i get it but if you just want a simple one for your head like two touchdowns per 500 yards not exactly because it's not linear like 1400 yards he's expected to get nine touchdowns you might have noticed but especially 500 to 1,000, you know, two touchdowns for 500, it's fine to get you a rough estimate, but remember it's not linear. But anyway, it increases exponentially the more yards you get, essentially. Not exponentially. That's a math word they shouldn't just use casually, because there might be a nerd listening. Sometimes they creep in here. But let's not rehash. I, th- I think we know Julio Jones is just good. <laughs> and he had a remarkably uh, unlucky season in 2017, which bounced back up the following season. As JJ's shown, this set, in particular for touchdowns, as part of the stickiness, is remarkably prone to accurate, accurately show project re- regression. Not positive and negative, although I might use those terms with simplicity, but you come back towards the average. And if you're under average, if you keep the same volume, you, you get more touchdowns the next year. And that is remarkably true with touchdowns per yard. Reason we go through volume, just as a reminder, is because it's the best. Basically, you just think of volume as talent. Okay, just you don't have to get complicated about it. If you're attracting volume to yourself, you're talented. If you're attracting more volume than someone else, you're more talented than someone else. It's obviously not perfect. We keep trying to create narratives. They played in the same college team. This guy just works in the area of the field. This player likes to throw out. But when we try and transfer those narratives, you get people saying, you know, Christian McCaffrey's receiving is not going to be great because Cam Newton doesn't like throwing to the running back, which was stupid. Sorry, it's stupid because you're taking something you know is a narrative that only works in some situations based on one particular player and trying to apply it broadly. That's definitely not how a narrative can work. 
explains one situation and how it worked that year. The efficiency and regression is how we look broadly at a position and the way something works. And we know players return to back to average or close to average in touchdown per yards, at least, more than any other tiny touchdown efficiency stat. So, 2019, that's not... But 2019, there are some interesting names on the top of the list. TJ Moore, third, and most unlucky player. In my evaluation, TJ Moore is unlucky. He got 1,175 receiving yards, only four touchdowns. You'd expect that to to be closer to eight, frankly. Seven or eight touchdowns. And he only got four. Mike Williams, really interesting value name here. Young, very good player. Team is even worse now, and that's another team mismanaged might might be a too kind way to put it. But Mike Williams has continued to be good. His yardage has increased every year. Last year he only got two touchdowns on his first thousand yard season. And I say first because I'd imagine he's gonna do it again. Team team sucks. <laughs> and which is something you have to which is why his valuation is probably low. But I really like him. Age twenty five going to two thousand twenty 26 next year i mean that's that's a great age to hit peak wide receiver production frankly that's the average actually top of the list is robert woods everyone's well-known sleeper right sleepers don't exist anymore i I think if i see one more person talk about how robert woods is a value yes it's true same with jarvis landry same with brandon cook some players just always undervalued and just as another reminder robert woods last year should have five more touchdowns than the two they actually got it should have been closer to seven with 1134 receiving yards um and he was the most unlucky player and i think i can read unlucky in him in 2019 fourth on the list by the way is danny amandola again he keeps earning volume so he's better than average he's attracting some of that volume he's creating that volume for himself but we know who Damian Amendola is. He's going to be inefficient or more efficient, like all players around this average sometimes. But we, we, you don't get Danny Amendola in the hope of great fantasy potential. You get him like the way you get Randall Cobb right now, who's also on the top 10 in this list from 2019. He's a good player. He's going to attract volume, and volume spikes from one year to the next. And remember, when we're talking about value, think about it in terms of getting lucky. Whatever... You know, game you play, whether it's running or whether it's basketball with your friends on the court or whether it's flipping a coin 10 times in the air. Sometimes you just hit a streak, right? That's all returning the average is. In this case, they kept flipping a coin and it came up tails. Eventually, it's going to come back to getting closer to 50-50 in terms of probability. That's all essentially regression is. You return back to a state of normality. Which is probably an even more confusing way. You probably understood it better than that before I started talking, so just ignore that. Anyway, um, Hulu Jones, okay, we know that story. And Odell Beckham as well is also in the top six, seven list. If if Odell Beckham, by the way, had you know two and a half more touchdowns is essentially what it comes down to with a thousand yards, I think we just saw a down year for a player that transferred teams, which we always expect. Like, Odell Beckham didn't go anywhere. You did, as far as I can tell. The consensus on Odell Beckham is way out of whack. The, the only weirder thing I've seen this offseason is honestly a full conversation thread with multiple people I respect who are smart talking about how really you can compare Kenny Galladay's upside to DeAndre Hopkins. Like, from someone who was at least at one point before everyone knew about him and other people took over the conductor train like i i was definitely leading that train for a while the truth of kenny galladay train like you are drinking the kool-aid too hard if you see deandre hopkins in that range of outcomes 
two hearts. Players show us what they are. Kenny Galladay, Tyler Boyd, for example, has shown us they were really good players who were undervalued. You can't go back and get that value because he didn't listen to me then. Oh, he's now he's going to be a top 12. Now you're just overpaying. Stop it. Jesus. <laughs> Frustrating when you see good players overvalued and then everyone starts to hate. That's how you get a Jarvis Landry or a Robert Woods because everyone hypes them up so far they don't hit that level so everyone thinks they're now bad when in fact they just keep being the great player they were they just didn't hit your doubling down because you missed out on the value the first time because you didn't listen like stop you don't have to be first but you have to get on the train before it leaves the station you can't start a new train top 12 top 12 wide receiver come on apparently that's more frustrating than I imagine anyway next (laughs) than I thought the next player on the list is Alden Tate unlucky or bad I think again consensus Leads us to the end. I think we all... Oh, uh, oh Nate, who, who cares? I think as, as free value, why not? He earned uh, 500 yards last year. Interestingly enough, he earned 10 touchdowns in the red zone, if I remember right, looking at the red zone database. I think that's a product of, you know, don't hype up Tyler Boyd because A.J. Brown's gone. That's not the way it works. A.J. Brown's better than Tyler Boyd. He tracks more volume. Tyler Boyd isn't going to do that. He's just a really good wide receiver we should want don't see top 12 in that range of outcomes outside of a random variant spike like you, Marvin Jones once had a 10 touchdown season he's also very good we just don't expect him to track that much volume that if he's not getting you know 10 10 heads in a row on his coin or you know 53 throws that go straight through the net without hitting the net like eventually without that kind of variance without that kind of overproduction He's not going to attract the volume to actually get that level of production. So they're good players, but we should expect the efficiency to be closer to average. Or true regress, one way or the other, to average. But they're not the players that attract the volume, which is why volume in itself... Again, it's just basically volume means talent. I mean, it's inseparable. We can't define talent. There is a lot that goes into volume. Obviously, area of the field, success of the team, talent and skill of the player. But it's needless to break it down to that specific, because especially when we can't apply those rules more broadly. Volume equals talent. AJ AJ Green is a lot more talented than Tyler Boyd in that way. But Tyler Boyd is incredibly above average in terms of his level of talent or volume in the NFL. It doesn't have to be some weird thing where you, you keep doubling down until finally you're disappointed. See what they've proven themselves to be, except that you were wrong the first time instead of trying to get back on the train now it's already left the station. That metaphor died on me, but I'm still using it. All right. Let's not make this an hour-long me-talking podcast. Last year, rookies, right? That's what we're all interested in. I've noticed that everyone ignores the stuff when I apply it broadly, which is more useful, much more interesting when we just talk about the really cool, shiny things. So, rookies last year, the only player who had really one touchdown below what you would expect. In fact, he had two touchdowns below what you would expect. Every other rookie last year, um, less than one touchdown below what you'd expect. Uh, I mean, none of them show significant potential for regression back towards average with the same level of volume. We'll get more touchdowns. None of that stuff with most rookies last year, except for Debo Samuels. 880 yards last year, as Jacob Rickrow pointed out on Twitter, interestingly enough, coincidentally, when I went to look at this, Debo's the one that popped up again. 800 yards is a really interesting yardage threshold for rookie wide receiver. It's like fading Marvin uh, Marcus Brown after actually a decent rookie season, but really doubling down on J.J. Sager-White and Nikhil Harry because you can't adapt to new information. 
But Debo Samuels did have eight yards last year. I think it's soft because I still hold prejudice from my college profiles. Don't get me wrong. But the fact that he earned 17 targets in the red zone, because the red zone database also shows this inefficiency. And how many touchdowns does he get in the red zone last year? 17 targets in the red zone, six with, three within the 20, six within the 15, four within the 10, four within the five. Based on those tar- where he was getting targets inside the red zone, he actually got nearly three touchdowns below expected inside the red zone. That still doesn't account for all of it, although most of his touchdowns seem to have been lost there. So was he unlucky in the red zone or bad in the red zone? No, he's a rookie wide receiver earning 800 yards, significant target share, just he was in the top 36, missed out and breaking out into the top 24 in this first year. All of that's really positive. I don't want to hold on to my rookie prejudice so much not to notice that Debo Samuels is actually a really interesting value going into his second season after earning 800 yards and being really unlucky in the touchdown department. We should expect regression back up. I don't see a great reason to expect his volume to drop. Again, he was inefficient, and players on both ends of a regression list tend to be interesting. If you're efficient, the team wants to give you more volume. If you're inefficient, they might start giving you less because you were inefficient. Why would you give that player more targets? But I think Debo Samuel's yardage total, just being lucky in that condensed area of the field in the red zone, might indicate he has a lower red zone presence. But just based on his yardage total, I think he should become closer back towards average. He should improve into his second season. Like, he's a really interesting player going into 2019. I think Terry McClellan, just based on points per game, was most likely to break into the top 24 in his second season, but I really think it's actually Debo Samuels. Terry McClellan can't get more efficient. In fact, you should probably start thinking about him being less efficient on a worse team. Debo Samuels, on the other hand, looks like the most likely candidate to break out into the top 24 for the first time in his second season, which is the most common breakout year for wide receivers. So I was really interested to see. I, I was definitely too low on him. Like, I wasn't, I was nothing, nothinging him. After seeing out a tr- few trade offers, yeah, I'm not going to get Debo Samuels. Because um, trades suck and everyone sucks. <laughs> All right, suck at trades. But he is a player I'm really interested in. If someone's trading for him off you, you should know that. Like, his value probably should go up in 2020 if I'm to be not timid. Some interesting names, just again, less than one touchdown below expected. So you're not really expecting regression. They're, they're on a regression line. They did fine. But I think it's really interesting that um, Kevin Harmon in Washington, talking about Terry McClellan, who should reduce in efficiency, he, he got, uh, you know, yeah, zero touchdowns. But he came in late in the year. And if you look at his red zone role last year, like again, basically playing half a season as far as he actually got in the field as a later round draft pick. Calvin Harmon actually got six targets inside the red zone. Didn't catch a single touchdown on those targets. Uh, one inside the 20, two inside the 15, one inside the 10, two inside the 5. So they're using throughout there. And again, he really wasn't on the field for most of the year. I think that's really positive. And it, specifically in the red zone, he's actually like one and a half touchdowns below expected. I know you can't score a half a touchdown. Welcome to statistics. But, yeah, at least one touchdown below expected. But based on his yardage total, he wasn't due any. So I think they were using him in a really interesting area of the field. Again, there's the talent on that depth chart, and that could be a potential for someone with above-average talent, at least for that depth chart. Kevin Harmon was an interesting flyer in his draft class, and you may well be forgotten. So I think that name turning up is really interesting. Jacoby Myers is really interesting. Um... 
mainly because he shows up in the red zone database. He had four touches or targets inside the red zone. Um, Again, slightly over one touchdown, less than Calvin Hardman, below expectation. He was getting fewer targets in less variable areas. Um, Like he he had fewer targets inside the 10-yard zone, essentially. But it's interesting to me that role exists last year. I know Tom Brady's gone. It's a new team. But... It's something I've been thinking about about Dallas recently. The one, one question you don't have to ask yourself about Dallas is, do the conditions exist for a breakout for CeeDee Lamb? We, we just saw another two. Mark rebroke out, if you like, after suddenly, weirdly, the Raiders tanking him. And then Michael Gallup was able to do it. So whatever ancillary narratives or conditions we like for a breakout, they definitely already exist in Dallas. And I think that's an interesting way to apply it to New England, too. There's volume there going to, you know, the Alden Tates or the Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers was good last year, don't get me wrong. But those targets were interesting to me more from a team and position perspective than Jacoby Myers. But yeah, he's not the first player I'm looking to cut off the end of my bench for that way. I like what Jacoby Myers did last year. All right, at the other end of the list, that's where, again, it's the polar extremes. Both players that that were efficient probably earn more respect or inclination towards the coaches to throw to them, along with other narratives like draft capital and team preferences and everything else that we can pile on top of that. But if you're efficient, you're getting more out of a player than you're really expecting. The targets you're he's acquiring for himself one way or the other that's interesting too Darius Slayton Marcus Brown and even McCall Harmon and you know I'm not a McCall Harmon guy but all of those guys scored uh, two or more touchdowns above expected now I don't think again they're going to recur to average but as rookie wide receivers you'd expect them to get slightly more volume going into year two right now the next layer name on that list is Steve Sims I think that was a depth chart problem I, I think that's an unlucky uh, or a lucky guy getting more touchdowns than you'd expect. I, I don't think you know, uh, a big hope for uh, Stephen Sims in his future, for example. Same goes for Miles Boykin, just out, guys. AJ Brown, on the other hand, DK Metcalf, even Nikhil Harry, Harry, who got two touchdowns based on, what was it, 105 yards? That's really efficient on a yardage total. And the same shows up for all those players in the red zone database when you condense the field just to the, that red zone. So, Players on both ends of these extremes should be more interesting than we originally thought. And you ask the question, unlucky or bad? You can disagree with my, obviously, do, please, frequently, um, which ones are unlucky and which ones are bad. But that's the question to go through. And I think looking through touchdown regression, that's the next question. Okay, this player was inefficient. Will he get less touches because of it? Because he was bad? Or is he a rookie? And you expect him to improve, and is it more interesting that he acquired the volume? Now, Harmon's problem, for example, six targets ain't a lot, frankly. I mean, Orton Tate's getting ten, for example. But he did. that's why I was talking about he didn't play a lot of the season. To come in and get six in the red zone, all throughout the red zone, it's really interesting for a player who had a really interesting college profile with low draft capital, and that's why he started to fade. On a team where the wide receiver one, very clear wide receiver one, Terry McClellan, should become slightly less efficient, both in terms of yards and in terms of touchdowns. And there's a dearth of talent around them. Now, the team's going to suck, probably. Most likely, definitely. But so Cincinnati, right? Good players in bad situations can still score you fantasy points. They're not ideal, but they're worth knowing about. And I, I... Jacoby Myers is not the first name I want to cut off my depth chart. Kelvin Harmon is someone I'm hanging on to, and I'm finding someone else to cut. 
if I can draw a line on how interesting they are. All right. I better get out of here. Um, hope that was interesting. If you want to check out the Red Zone database, it's posted all over Patreon. It's posted all over Twitter. I am still not paywalled. Now, the Red Zone database specifically is fueled by um, Pro Football Reference. Uh, great site. Use it a lot. Everyone uses it a lot. We, You know the site. We all use it, especially for stats or looking up historical funds or whatever for football. Um, if you go check out their, their apps, the player index apps, they've actually got a note up that's going to go behind the paywall. I don't know how I'm going to keep up the Red Zone database. That's partly another reason why I was experimenting with a, how it relates to a touchdown by yards because that I can get. That data is never going to be paywall, right? I'm still behind the road of his thanks to my Patreon, so it's not like I'm going to run out of data. I can run out of data if I tried at this point. But... Um, Pro Football Reference is definitely worth supporting. They deserve to be paid. Those apps are great. But the way I have the Red Zone database formatted, like it's specifically built around the way the data downloads from those apps from Pro Football Reference. And so if you enjoy Pro Football Reference too, uh, yeah, I definitely recommend joining up to that sub. I mean, if you can get by, if you can afford to get behind a paywall, that's definitely one that's earned it, right? It's a great site. And wish it was more fantasy inclined because they could do a lot for us. And it's more football inclined. But anyway, that's a different discussion. It's definitely a site worth supporting. If you can't, then go have fun with the play indexes now because it's going to disappear behind a paywall. Um, justifiably, honestly. But uh, it, it's going to go. Um, wish them luck. Wish you luck. Hope you're having fun. If you have any questions about touchdowns, regressions, or you want to see these lists instead of hear me reading them, again, it's posted, man. But I'll also post them on Twitter. If you hit me up on uh, at PA Howdy, uh, let me know that I was reading too fast or you want to see the broader list, and I'll, I'll link you to it. Uh, thanks very much, and I will talk to you again next week. Hopefully, talking to another person about some of these rookies, because it's getting a little tiring just hearing me, don't you think? I'm getting tired of it. Anyway, see you later. Yeah! Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.